Let me put you on game Don't listen to people who lose or you'll do the same Stop talking to people who don't give a f*** what you say Stop spending your money on weed, go hop on a plane Stop pointing the finger and start taking some Welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit of Wealth Podcast Today we have a very special guest, it is Kevin Fogg Kevin is the owner of Vantage Point Home Inspections um, and he's one of the, one of the younger business owners that I know that I've been able to kind of watch grow over the last few years. So I'm super excited to have him on and, and share his journey of being a business owner at the age of, you started your business basically at the age of 20, 21, 21. Yep. So, um, like how he's kind of grown that over the last few years. So Kevin, uh, first off, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to, to come on and do this. I know you're super busy. Um, yeah. but share with us, like, where did, did you always think you wanted to be a business owner or? What were your thoughts when you were growing up? Honestly, like growing up, I wanted to be a business owner. I always watched, um, there's a lot of TV shows about like people fixing up cars and like flipping them. So that was um, kind of like my, I don't know, vision. I think you kind of had the same thing growing up a little bit, growing up together, but that was my goal. Um, but then I, I don't know. I didn't really know how to start a business. I didn't really know what it took to do, to have a business, but that was, yeah, mainly always, always the goal. And uh, for those of you that, that don't know, so Kevin is my cousin. Um, so we actually, we did grow up together and I remember when we were young, like that was the thing we always talked, we'd always talk about running businesses. Yeah. Um, but Kevin was a hustler. Kevin was like, he would, he, I don't know if, was it this, what was that show that they would like flip things that you would, <sighs> you'd watch? I can't remember. And, and I can't remember this, the name of the show, but basically like they would flip things. So they'd get like, let's say they had a coffee mug, they'd go trade it or exchange it and like work their way up till they had something bigger that they were selling yeah. and eventually they'd get to like a car and they're selling or trading a car. Yeah. Kevin did that with like an airsoft gun. And I can't <laughs> yeah. remember what you got up to, but you got up to like a, then a lawnmower and then something else that you were like trading. And I'm like, how is he doing this? But you started with an item that was like worth a hundred bucks and you got to an item that was worth like a thousand dollars by just trading and exchanging. So I remember that and I was like, man, this guy, this kid's a hustler. So you're always looking to like sell things and trade things, which I thought was super cool. Um, so in high school, what happened after high school? I know you, you went off to a mission, right? Yeah. After high school, I graduated. I worked, so I worked for the first college jewel, you know, I mean, I don't fall. So they're basically a plumbing, electrical HVAC company. So I did that for uh, probably like six months, okay. um, two years. So I worked quite a bit to save up that way. I didn't have to have my parents pay for me to, to go out there. And I know I felt like it would mean more and it didn't mean more. I mean, saving up to, to pay for it. So I worked pretty hard with them. And honestly, I mean, we can probably go into it later on, um, but like that's kind of what got me into like doing home inspections, just that that start before the mission. So I saved up, and then yeah, I went to to Guatemala on my mission, my, my mission, and yeah, I learned a lot out there. How was how was life in Guatemala? It's certainly way different than than life here, right? Um, I think I know my first area. Once we got out of our training um, in this building, we I went to my area with my companion, and we started going around. And the first house I went into was just a cement block house. And their whole house was like the size of our living room. Like it wow. was, it was crazy. So it hit me hard. Like right when I got there, how different the world is out yeah. there. And, and like, do they have floors? What, what kind of, like, what kind of conditions were they living in? And what kind of conditions were you living in? Yeah. I mean, honestly, our houses were, were nicer than everybody else's. Um, floors were mainly concrete. Um, some of them were like tiled floors, um, but a lot of houses were dirt floors too. So it just depended on where you're at. Um, it's not super like poor I guess how you would point it. A lot of people would think like it's not just like dirt houses, dirt floors. There's nice houses there, but the majority are pretty run down. Yeah, it's crazy. And coming from like the U.S., was it was it definitely a, a culture shock for you? Yeah, <laughs> culture shock, especially because I was doing. I mean, I was helping out with HVAC, with electrical work, plumbing, and so it, going from that to Guatemala, I was like shocked with all this stuff that that was was going on over there. I was like, how is this even? like legal to have. Yeah. Like electrical wiring. Yeah. Running electrical across. wires, plumbing running across streets. It was just a nightmare. I remember when we went to Thailand, it was something, something like, I mean, I don't even, I don't even do electrical or anything, but yeah. I'm like looking at the telephone wires and I'm like, there's like 4,000 wires in there. Like that doesn't look safe. Like, yeah. I don't think I know what I'm doing, but that doesn't look right. So, oh, yeah. but that's a lot of the, like, kind of like you'd say those third world countries or, or non first world countries, like they're just trying to figure out how to make things work. Yeah. And they're going to jimmy rig and, you know, get power to the house somehow might not be like the right way to do it, but yeah. they're going to figure it out. So, um, so you were there for two years, yep. right? Uh, what, what was kind of like your, what, what lessons did you learn oh, being man, in Guatemala? Yeah. If this podcast was like five hours, I think we could probably <laughs> go over everything, but I don't know the, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. 
But I think the biggest thing that changed me was like talking to people every day. And I got to a point where I was kind of like, I don't know, leading and in, in charge of other missionaries. So a, a group of like 30, 40 um, companionships. Um, so I got to the point where I kind of broke out of my shell because before the mission, I don't know if you probably remember, but I was like super shy. Like I couldn't even talk to people that I, I didn't know, even family members. Like I couldn't really have open conversation just because I think I, I was like super timid and I just, I don't know, I felt like everybody was going to judge what I was going to say, but the mission completely changed that. Like I got back and like, I don't even think I was the same guy anymore. So I think yeah. that was the biggest thing. Way more confident. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember, so like being a cousin and, uh, you know, picking on Kevin, I would, I knew he was timid and shy. And so whenever you'd speak, I'd try to like, <laughs> I'd try to embarrass him when he was speaking like in church or something. And, uh, and he would faint. And so that was, yeah. that was, like the, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. But I remember when, when yeah. you came home from your mission, I tried to do it, but like you were confident. You were like, like that whole timid Kevin that would faint on thing. Like wasn't, wasn't you when you came back, which I thought was super cool. It's yeah. like spending those two years there teaches. I, I always, I'm always amazed by those that actually do go and serve those missions. Cause I think you do, you learn a lot of great skills. Um, yeah. just life skills. As far as like people, you know, typically you're waking up early, you're doing your scripture, your study, doing all that. Then you're going to go out and you're like talking to people. Um, and like communication skills is, I think, one of the most important skills people can learn. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's kind of a dying art. Most people don't know how to communicate anymore because all we do is text on the, you know, we don't even phone calls. I have agents that come in and they're like scared to make a phone call. Yeah. Like you guys got to make a phone call. Like, oh, I can just shoot them a text. It's like, no, it's not the same. You know how many texts like are misinterpreted because you don't have the yeah. tonality. You don't know like you and you probably learn this stuff on the mission, like the way you talk and the way your your voice is set. Like you've got you're trying to get into somebody's house to teach some things. Um, you have to learn how to properly communicate that because if you're just breaking on the door like all loud, oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's like it's not going to come off the right way. Well, and the mission too, like we're there to like, I mean, we're not there to convince people of what we believe in, right? But we're yeah. there to try to change the way they do their entire lives. Yeah, right. So. The, the biggest thing is communication. Cause if you, if you come across, I mean, come on to somebody that I don't know, that might need our help. Well, we present our message in a way that kind of offends them. They're not going to open the door. They're going to shut the door immediately and just tell us to, yeah. to move on. So like, that's super important. Oh yeah, for sure. That's cool. And so before your mission, you're working at first call jewel. Yeah. Um, so you come home from the mission. What do you, what was your kind of first thought? What were you planning to do? Were you going to go to school did you like, I'm just going to come home and open a business? Like what were your, what was your thoughts when you got home? Yeah, there was, oh, there was a lot of stuff that happened when I got out of school. So when I was in the mission too, towards the end, I guess my dad was talking to you and kind of got into the doing home inspections, right? Cause there yeah. was a need for home inspectors. So he was already do, kind of doing that when I got here. I mean, he was only doing it for your guys' team of like what, one or two maybe. So. Yeah. Not a ton. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't a lot of inspections. So I, I came home with the the mindset that, okay, maybe I'll try to do home inspections, like as a side thing, yeah, right, to help me go through college. Cause that's what my dad was kind of talking to me about, like, hey, there's good money in it. So you can do that while you're going to college and help pay for it. So I was like, all right, I'll get home. I'll, I'll get certified, get trained, and I'll um, go to college and be an inspector while I'm going to college so that I can help pay, pay, pay for that. Cool. So that's kind of like the mindset that I had when I got back. Did you, did you end up going to college at all? Um, maybe for like a week or two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Long story. So when I got back from the mission, um, I was dating around at, at BYUI, um, right. I was working uh, for first college right when I got back to help save money. Um, working, doing one inspection, probably a month wasn't enough yeah. <laughs> to, to help save up. So I was working with first college but I was also going to BYU kind of dating around and long story short, like a member of, of our church, um, in Guatemala kind of hooked me up with a missionary that was already in our, our mission. Um, I, I knew her really well in the mission, but she's like, yeah, you got to talk to her and get to know her. Cause I, I feel like you guys can get married and have kids and stuff. And I'm <laughs> like, you're crazy, man. <laughs> like I'm not going to get married to somebody that's in a different country. Yeah. Um, let alone date somebody that's not, not from here. But, um, yeah, so we kind of started talking again. I actually went to Brazil, um, that w within like three or four months of being home. So it, it quickly changed from me going to college to me saving up just so I can go to, to Brazil. So getting into that story, like, yeah. so did you, you met, uh, you met this girl yeah, on your mission, right? In Guatemala. So you both served in Guatemala. Yep. Okay. Served in Guatemala. And so you, once you were coming home though, you like, you were, you were from the U S and she was from Brazil. Yep. Okay. 
so then in, did you guys just keep in contact after the mission? No, no, we, we didn't talk at all. Oh, okay. Um, not until that person. I mean, I was working with first call jewel, right? So I was yeah. in crawl spaces, attics, installing plumbing and doing a bunch of hard work. And she would like try to like, um, FaceTime or whatever it's called this WhatsApp. She would call me yeah. nonstop. And I got so annoyed after like a couple of weeks. I'm like, Oh my goodness. All right. I'll, I'll talk to the, that missionary just so she can feel good. Yeah. So kind of forcibly, I, I started talking to her and then things kind of took off from <laughs> who is this friend? I don't, I don't, who is the friend that connected you guys or like the, um, so there's, we were in an area, I was in an area. Um, and then shortly after that, she kind of came in. So okay. they swapped out the, the elders. So the guys and kind of put, um, woman there as missionary. So we got out and it was actually family. I was teaching over oh, there. Okay. And the husband wasn't a member. So we helped um, baptize him and, and get him in the church. And then she came in and started teaching that family and kind of helping them so they can stay active. And, oh, so it was a family that you yeah, so It was a family, but it was the mom that was kind of like. That is so trying cool. Trying to get us to be together. So. I actually, I didn't know that full story. Yeah. So it was the mom of a family that you taught that yeah. once you left, Issa came in as a missionary and was teaching the family. And she yeah. was like, you would, you would really like Kevin. Yeah. Like he was the missionary that we talked to. And so she kind of set you guys up. And it, in the mission too, like she would kind of do that throughout the mission because we had like big meetings and stuff. So there's just a lot of coincidences, but I mean, we won't get into the whole yeah whole story. But there's a lot of stuff that happened in the mission. That I'm like, okay, it kind of makes sense that I should be with her. But that's so we didn't crazy. flirt at all or anything like that in the mission. Really? Yeah. That's so that's so crazy. So then you you after you get home and she's home, you guys start talking. Yeah. Um, and you decide like I I need to go see her in Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> so how what how was that? How was your initial? First off, like people would be like, like I'm not yeah, I'm not going to date somebody that's in another country. Like, how yeah. is this ever going to work out? Um, tell me tell me a little bit about that. So you go to Brazil. Yeah. What, when was this? So that was in December um, 2019 when I got back, right, right before COVID. So we were, we were crazy, man. Like, I don't know. We were kind of dating long distance right, right before I went over there. And we just kind of felt like, I mean, we should be together, at least dating-wise, right? Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I kind of wish I could have somebody like that for the rest of my life. Like if I could find someone like that here in the United States, like I'd be set. I'm like, some, some part of me is like, dude, just go get her, man. I'm like, all right. So I went, <laughs> went to Brazil, um, got there. Yeah. December. And then proposed to her while I was in Brazil and I had to ask her dad, um, right. For his permission. To, How long were you there in Brazil? I was there for two weeks. <laughs> yep. So I kind of went already with the mindset that I was going to propose, but our, both of us were like, Hey, we're just going to date around while we're there together for those weeks and see yeah. how it goes. And then, at the end, obviously, we felt like it was good. That's awesome. But so that was right, right before COVID. Yeah. Um. So you propose while you're there. Yep. And then you get home. And then what happens? So I get home. We had everything planned out. Um. She already chose. We already chose like the ties, the dresses, right? We had everything planned because um, we had the visa stuff all ready to go. It was already in motion. And the only thing she had left to do was go to the embassy over there and have her interview done. And right when she was about to like schedule that COVID came and it completely shut down the embassy and yeah, it was shut down for like a year and a half, two years. It's crazy. So, yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about that. So what happened? Like how was, cause I, I remember it's like you were, I, I remember this all happening and it's like, Hey, yeah. you know, East is coming in this day and like, we're going to get married in September and we're all planning. And then all of a sudden like COVID happened and like the whole world shut down. And yeah. so she basically gets stuck in Brazil, right? Yep. How long was that? How long? Oh, that was, yeah, about a year and a half. We were engaged for like a year and a half, so almost two years. Engaged yeah. for a year and a half, trying to get her over here so that you guys could actually get married. Yeah. How so many, during that year and a half, like, how many times did you get to go down to Brazil to see her? Uh, I lost count. I think I went over there probably four or five times. It's so like, yeah, every every few months you were trying to get over there to. Yeah, and it's not cheap. To go to Brazil is about $2,000 um, to, to buy the tickets. Just so. in flights. Just in flights, yeah. Not, not food, not... I mean, obviously I wanted to help out when I went over there too. So it wasn't, it wasn't cheap. So that affected a lot of the plans I, that we had too. For sure. Did, uh, was that kind of a, a motivating factor? So like, cause you hadn't, I can't remember, had you started, uh, really getting into inspections full time while you're in, before you left Brazil or was that when you got back from Brazil? Um, so I didn't really do it full time actually until like 2021. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, so I was still doing inspections, um, every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so when I left, my dad did a couple of inspections while I was gone, but we didn't really have a business built up. So it wasn't really much for him to do. So if, I mean, somebody needed one or two, I mean, he did it while I was, yeah. while I was gone, but we didn't really have it established. 
Uh, but actually, I left First Call Jewel like before I went to Brazil. Um, and there's a long story with that too. I just I was I was happy working with them. They're great people. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't like the idea of like being told what to do. Yeah. Because um, at First Call Jewel, I was like a like a parts runner. Okay. Um, and they're all the the managers are trying to get me to be like an HVAC guy, a plumber. I mean, because they needed guys. Yeah. So I was going with everybody on these big jobs, obviously helping them install stuff. And sometimes the plumbers would like leave me alone at a job um, to like install huge um, like plumbing work. And they, they're leaving, go do another job, which is probably not, not what they're supposed <laughs> to do. But, to do, but yeah, but no, um, but there was a lot of that happening. I'm like, wait, I'm only getting paid like nine bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour. Um, and I was like, okay, if I become like a plumber or whatever, I'm still going to have to, uh, I'll get paid more, but I'm still going to have to listen to what other people say. I'm going to have to go out and do jobs that they tell me to go do. So, I mean, there, there was times that I was out there with technicians and they would like tell me, Hey, get this part for me, get this for me, do this for me. And it got to the point where I was just like, no, dude, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm, I was pretty good at um, doing a lot of stuff I was doing, but I was like, I can't take anymore. So I quit. Um, and then when I, I quit before I went to Brazil. So I went to Brazil and I got back and I actually got on with uh, my mom. She, she cleans, um, INL. Okay. It's like an, a laboratory here in, yeah. in our auto falls. So I got on with her. She's like the main manager there. So she got me on and I actually started becoming a janitor, not, not as a full-time thing, but just to like save up to go to Brazil to keep um, going, to keep going. Cause I mean, I was doing inspections, but it wasn't enough to pay for plane tickets to yeah. go back to Brazil. So I was kind of forced to, that's, work there. that's an important lesson though. Like, uh, starting a business, sometimes you have to start a business or grow a business while you're doing something else. Yep. I think a lot of people think about, and, and I, I'm all for the, you know, you need to jump into something full time, but, uh, during that transition, especially when you've got a, uh, you're engaged somebody that's uh. in Brazil and you're trying to save up money and go see her, um, building a company can take a little bit of time. And so I think it's Gary V that, that basically says like, you know, work your nine to five. And then from five on, that's when you build your dream or you build your other business that you want to be doing. Yeah. Um, you, some people just don't have the ability to, that they can jump into something full time. So understanding that if you do want to start a business, you might have to work cleaning offices or something yeah. during the day while you build your business during the night or find a flexible job that you can bring in some steady income while you're trying to build your business. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just shows like you're doing your full first call jewel. You're working there while you're doing inspections, yep. you know, then you're like, Hey, that's not really working. I'm going to go to Brazil, but I also need to come back. And while I'm building my business, I need to do something. So I'm going to go get a job as a janitor. Yeah. Like people look down on that kind of thing or they're like, ah, I would never do that. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, do you want to just stay where you're at then? Or like, what is the solution? I like that you weren't afraid to say, Hey, I'm going to go do this while I build it. Yeah. Um, how long were you doing both like the janitor stuff plus the inspections? Yeah. So I was doing that probably, probably about, it, it, I was blessed to have my mom as the manager. Right. Yeah. And like the main guy, um, he's awesome. Like I, I, I could leave whenever I want. I could come back whenever I want. And this was through COVID. So there was no one at INL basically. So it was pretty easy to, to clean the building, but yeah, I was there probably for about total, like maybe eight months. Yeah. So I was off and on kind of working there. So in that, and, and you found something that was flexible. Yeah, like, that's hey, a big one. Here, here's what I want to build my business, but I need also some income. So let me find a job that is going to yeah. allow me that flexibility to do both. Um, you know, when I got when I got licensed for real estate, I went and worked for uh, Mountain View Hospital in like their billing department uh -huh. for uh, six months, six or eight months, something like that. While I was just kind of saving up money, got my license and then like jumped into it uh, because I knew like, working at first I was like working at the bank and it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and I wasn't going to have that same kind of flexibility to get rolling into real estate. And so I went in and worked at the billing department cause I had connections there too. And then I had a little bit more flexible schedule. Um, but that's, you just have to do that. You, you're not, <laughs> yeah. you, you, sometimes you got to sacrifice and you're going to have to work two jobs while you're building something. And that's okay. Cause yeah. it's not forever. You know, it might be for six months. It might be for eight months. It might be for a year. It might be for two years. Yeah. Um, but it, just remember why you're doing it. It's because you wanted to get into inspections full time. That was like your goal. Um, yeah. and you got there. So yeah. now, now running it, uh, how long you've, so you, when did you jump in full time? Um, yeah, full time, probably honestly, 2021, it was right before, um, I actually got my wife here. 
So it was like right when we got the go ahead, it was a long story of how we got her here. We sued the government over there in Brazil. So <laughs> we did a lot of stuff to get her here. But once we yeah. had the go ahead, I was like, all right, this is full swing. Like she's coming. I got to build this thing so that when she gets here, like we'll actually have a business. Yeah. Um, is, is there some, can I touch a little bit more yeah. on, on INL? So there, there's a lot of stuff that I learned at INL. Um, like, I mean, I was a janitor there mm-hmm. and INL is a pretty clean build, building, but like there's a lot of days that I was there like scrubbing toilets and like, it was rough, man. Like it was, it was tough. Yeah. And like, I had the vision. Yeah. I've got this business that I built, right. The logo is on my truck outside in the parking lot. Yeah. But I'm sitting here scrubbing toilets for people that, I mean, I mean, they, 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 they cared for us, right. They, I mean, they had respect for us, but yeah. I mean, I was the janitor, right? No one really, I mean, like yeah, you, you're bottom of the totem pole. Bo- yeah. Bottom of the totem pole. Basically yeah. I had this mindset, dude, I want to become this big business owner. I want to make pretty good money. Cause I had the vision for the business. I know, I knew how much I could make, Yeah, but I was scrubbing toilets, but like, I mean, I had the, the thing that motivated me was my wife was going to come Well, my, my fiance was going to come soon. So I have to have something. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was scrubbing toilets and I remember I had like AirPods in and I was listening to podcasts while I'm scrubbing toilets, like learning about business. And I was cleaning offices too, right? Wiping down seats, wiping, I mean, cleaning other people's messes while I was learning about how to be a business owner, how to grow a business. Alex Hermosi, I mean, I was listening to him while yeah. I was a janitor. Yeah. Um, so there was that part. I think a lot of people should probably, I mean, know that. Oh yeah. I mean, while you're, while you're, I don't know, building the business and working another job, like you were saying, I mean, it's not going to be easy. Yeah. You might be doing something that sucks, right? Yeah. But as long as you got that man mentality that, hey, like, yeah, it sucks right now, but here in like six months, a year, it's going to get really good. I'm not going to be scrubbing toilets. Like that was my motivation. Yeah. And, and you knew that like in order to get there, you had to continue to learn. Yeah. So like you weren't wasting your time. Um, you found a job and you, and you could listen to podcasts while you're doing it that yeah. would progress your knowledge about business so that when you are ready or you have the money saved up to jump into it, you you can do it and you know what you should be doing. Um, you took advantage of that. So it's like, I, I look at so many people complain. Uh, they complain that I don't have enough money to start a business. Yeah. I don't have the time to start a business. I don't like you can come up with complaints all your whole life. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, like everybody has the same amount of hours in a day. Um, yeah. Maybe somebody have a, has a little bit easier opportunity, but I promise you that there's also people that have it way worse than you that also made it. Yep. So it's like your situation is not the worst. There's people that have worse situations and they have become way more successful. You just got to decide if you're willing to do it. Yep. Like I, I go sort mail at the post office and listen to podcasts while you do it yep. and figure out how you can get to that next level. It's just so many people aren't willing to put in the work. And I think that's what, you know, they could look at your business now running, running over a six figure business and say, Oh, Kevin, you know, got lucky or he just got lucky. He got in at the right time or blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, the backstory, it's like you, you worked for two years, just building up to jump into it full time Yeah, yep. and juggling, trying to get your wife here from another country and suing the government <laughs> to, to get her here. Like yeah. there's other things that you were trying to pay for while you're trying to start your business. Um, yep. A lot of people just aren't willing to make those kind of sacrifices like you did. So I think it's a great story. And like when you say my truck is in the parking lot with my, <laughs> my branded truck about yeah. <laughs> me being a business owner and I'm in there scrubbing toilets, like that's, I love that. I love that because I'm there's so many people that aren't willing to do that stuff. So, uh, 2021, you jump in full time. Yep. 2021. How was your first year running a business when you jumped in? Oh geez, man. It was, there's a lot of stuff I learned. Um, obviously I thought owning a business is you just wake up and make good money and you go to bed. Right. But I didn't really know that you had to do the financials. You got to do the marketing. You got to build up the actual business. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, it was kind of hard because I mean, I'm, obviously I'm young, right? And most yeah. people, th- when they think of a home inspector, they think of like a guy that's I mean, a little bit older, right? That's forties, fifties. Yeah, I say older so I can be careful with who's yeah. <laughs> listening. But the, I mean, a guy that's experienced, that's that's been in construction, that's been in um, like plumbing or whatever for like 15, 20 years, and then they do this to retire, right? Because yeah, um, they're getting tired. But yeah, that was I think that was the hardest thing being being younger. How did you overcome that? Um, still overcoming. No, yeah. I think the biggest thing was the confidence in myself. Um, in Guatemala, I learned a lot and I, I, I mean, I was able to gain a lot more confidence in myself, but still, it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect after, after a mission. Yeah. Um, or even like door to door sales, if 
you're doing that. It's not going to be perfect after you're done doing that, moving on to the next thing. For sure. Um, for whoever's doing that. But I think the thing that helped me was just to keep moving on and just to like have a mind, mindset. Like every time I would hear somebody say like, hey man, like you're pretty young to be an inspector. Are you going to be find, finding anything in this house because you're pretty young to know what you're doing? So I had to like, kind of like block that out of my head and just like recognize like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And it comes from, uh, Alex Ramosi talks about this. I quote him a lot on this podcast. No, he's, he's, he's really my good. dream business person to talk to <laughs> one day. Um, but he talks about, it. he's like, confidence comes from like an unwavering or like undeniable evidence that you are who you say you are. Yeah. Um, and you build that evidence by doing it. So it's like, you're going to get more confident with every home that you inspect. Yeah. Um, and you're going to run into issues and, but every issue you see, like you're going to get more confident in how you can communicate that with two people, like two people. Mm -hmm. I mean, something that I've been impressed with and I, and I think you should know, like nobody has ever to me, because we send a majority of our clients, uh, choose to get an inspection by you. Yeah. And, um, everyone has had a great experience and they're like, man, Kevin was awesome. He really knows what he's talking about. Yeah. They've never once said he looks young you know, to me at least. Yeah. And so, um, cause I used to think about that exact same thing when I was getting into real estate. Um, when I, cause I got into real estate when I was 21, 21, 22. Um, and it was that same thing. I'm like, man, people are there. Are they going to want me to sell their house? Are they going to trust yeah. that I know what I'm doing? Um, but I think if, if you, if you are willing to learn as much as you can about the industry, cause I think you, you've taken the time to really learn everything there is to know about inspections. Yeah. You've gotten the extra certifications. You've, you like, you watch all the videos, you listen, you figure out how things actually work. Um, and then you had a ton of experience in first call jewel, yeah. uh, that a lot of other, uh, home inspectors might not have. Some are just like general contractors that got their general contractor license. And, yeah. you know, so I think for you, it's like, people aren't going to look at that, you know, as long as you carry yourself confidently and, and, yeah. and you, you sound like, you know what you're talking about. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a believer in the whole fake it till you make it. I don't think that's true. I think you should, oh, yeah. I think you should seek knowledge so that you have the understanding to have the confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think you did that, you know? So, um, would you end up doing like how many inspections first year? First year. Do you remember? No, exact number. I mean, I know the like revenue wise, but inspections, I mean, I was probably doing, I mean, weekly, probably maybe like that, that 2021, I was probably doing like maybe three a week. Wow. Two a week. Which is good. Which, which is good, right? Um, but it, it wasn't a ton. Um, Do you mind sharing your revenue? For the first, yeah, for, so for 2019, I'm not going to even count that because <laughs> it's probably like 600 bucks, right? For the yeah. two that we did for you, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then after that, um, 2019, I was, again, doing a part-time. Well, 2020, I was doing a part-time while I was going to Brazil, coming back. So I had my dad doing a couple. Yeah. But I probably made like maybe five grand. I think it was seven grand, which is okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and then after that, so the first year, right, when I started really getting into it, um, it really picked up and we hit, it was about 84. 84,000. 84,000. That was wow. about from March to the end of the year. Um, and that, but, and that's when I said, hey, we're going to kick it into gear. Like we got to we got to build this. Just starting to get some traction. We got yep, get some traction. So when it we started hitting those numbers in the summertime, I was I was kind of confused. I'm like, how is this actually coming into my baking cow? I'm like, is this real? <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, it started picking up after that. That's and so that was so and that was 2021. Yeah, 2021. So 2019, 2020, 2021. So I was like basically three years into running a business. You yeah. know, yeah, beginning you're kind of doing it part time, but year three. And so now that was 2021, so 2022, 2023. So you've been in it for five years now. This year will be five years. Yeah, coming up. Um, what'd, you, what'd you guys do last year? Do you remember inspection-wise? How many inspections you did last year? <clears throat> inspections total, I think we're about, I, I mean, this is just rough, probably about 250. Wow. 280, yeah. And what is that in revenue? Revenue, about 130. Wow, that's awesome. And what what I've, what I want to correlate for those that have like been listening to these podcasts is, Almost every guest I've had on that's running a business, it's year four and five <laughs> where they really start to make it yeah. like you hit that kind of growth curve and you start to see your hard work paying off. If you're if you're starting a business and you just think it's going to happen overnight, year one, there's some that do. They're pretty rare. But, but pretty rare. <laughs> They're like you're going to have yeah. to be putting in the work for a few years. And I see that yeah. with everything. Like me and Edgar talk about it all the time with content. You know, so many people want to just post one podcast, they want to do like one video walkthrough of a listing or do one video 
post and expect it to go viral. It's like, yeah, I expect to run. I don't, I don't expect to have really any viewers or subscribers or listeners to this podcast for probably the first few years. It's like, yeah, we have some, we have, we have a decent amount, but I don't expect this to really do anything for me for a few years. Yeah. It's just something that I enjoy and something that I want to build. And so you can't get into something and just expect a return right away. Um, I think it's awesome that you put your head down and you figured it out and like you're four and five, like you're, you're crushing it now. Um, you finally hit that exponential growth curve and the book Atomic Habits talks about like doing things, you know, doing the little things and over time, yeah. but you go through the, they call it the valley of despair where year three, you could have been like, man, I only made like thousand bucks year one, 7,000 year two. Like, yeah, I'm just going to give up. And most people do give up at that time. And I, I was actually thinking about giving up. I'm not, I'm not going to lie at first. And when I was doing inspections, I mean, not, not the, like the revenue and stuff, but actually doing the inspections, like doing the reports on my phone, finding issues, having clients talk to me and ask me questions. Like I could do all those things, right? I, I knew a lot about houses when I started off. That's why I got into it. Yeah. So I could answer questions, but then I was getting so stressed out on answering questions and doing the report or just taking pictures. And then, oh man, I got to go home and do this report. And it would take me so long to do the report, um, basically because we had an old software that was, I mean, pretty crappy. But even when we got the new one, I was spending, I mean, all my nights doing reports. So it got to the point where I'm like, dude, I don't want to do this my entire life. Like, this is <laughs> this is terrible, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it got to the point where Alex Ramosi says it too. I, I quote him because I, I, I like watching him too. But he's, I can't remember exactly what he, what he how he says it. But, like, if you do something enough it's almost impossible to like not get good at it. So right when he said that, I was like, dude, this guy's onto something. So I'm just going to do it, even though it's sucking right now. Like if I do this enough, I mean, maybe it'll get easier. And it, it did like months went by and slowly, like things started to get easier. I started having more time in the evenings. I'm like, Oh wait, I mean, he, he was actually right. So the more I actually did those hard things, it became easy for me. And now, and now it's nothing. Yeah. He says it, it's a, uh... Do something enough that it would be unreasonable for you not to succeed. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Yeah. It's like, and and I tell my sales guys that all the time. It's like, because one of them is if you guys want to do X amount of transactions, if you guys made 10,000 phone calls, it would be unreasonable for you not to close a lot of transactions um, and be very confident on the phone. But are you willing to do 10,000 phone calls? Majority of people are going to say no. Yeah. And for you, it'd be like unreasonable for you not to be super good at inspections, super efficient at doing the reports. If you did a thousand inspections, now it's just like, are you willing to put down the time and struggle through those and get to a thousand inspections? I'm sure you're at a thousand inspections now. You're pretty close. And like you feel, you feel confident, and things are easier, and life's a little bit better. Um, not that you're not working just as hard, but like it, it'd be unreasonable for you not to make. Now, like, honestly, and I tell you, like, it'd be unreasonable for not to make six figures now with, with the way that you're progressing. Yeah. And that's probably going to be for the rest of your life. You know that, hey, I put in the work leading up to this. I know I should never really have to make less than six figures because I've put in the time and I've built this skill set. Yeah. Like, that's for me in real estate. There's never a year that I should make less than that, like, ever. It'd be unreasonable because I've put in the time and I've put in the effort to gain the skills to make sure that I could always do that. Yeah. For like Steph Curry, it'd be unreasonable for not to hit like X percentage of three-pointers because he's just put in the time to shoot those three-pointers. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure when he started, like he was throwing up bricks. He wasn't hitting the percentages he was now. Um, and I look at that even like with fitness. Brennan, Brennan, you know Brennan. Oh, yeah. Craft. He's, he's trying yeah. to get, he wants me to do this marathon with him. And I'm like kind of <laughs> half in, half out. I haven't fully committed yet, but I, but I also like paid for the Airbnb. So I kind of committed, <laughs> uh, but I look at it that way and I'm like, ah, running is just hard. Like I don't yeah. like running, but if I ran every day or at least a few times a week, it would be unreasonable for me not to be able to run a marathon. Like, cause it, it would just get easier. Yeah. And that's with everything in life. Like if you just do it enough, it gets easier, but it's going to suck at the beginning. Me running three miles, six miles, eight miles sucks at the beginning because it's just, I'm not good at it. And and my body's not like formed a good habit of running. But if I put in the time and I do it, it will, and it'll get easier and I can, I'll be able to run 13 and more miles uh, without like struggling the way I'm struggling now. So I just thought of that when you were talking about the inspection thing, it's like, it's the same thing, you know, you're going to get better at it as you do it. 
Um, dude, that's so cool though. Uh, year, so year three, 2023, what are you on pace for right now? Um, humbly, five? <laughs> um, yeah. So right now we're about 98, 98,000 for the year. So that's incredible. Dude. Yeah, and you're only in the June, you're only five months in. Yeah. Yeah. And my, so my wife's pregnant, right? So, I mean, that's with taking about, a, I mean, morning, a couple mornings off a week to, to be with her and, to, to go to like these appointments, appointments with her. So that's another blessing of having the business. I can choose to take that time off, but still it's, it's a hustle when I'm I'm not there, but yeah, we're at 93 and goal, hopefully towards the end of the year, um, hit 180 or or 200. That's, that's the goal. Oh yeah. We'll make sure you get to 200. (laughs) Oh, we'll push. Uh, that's awesome, dude. That's so cool. That's like in your 25, almost 25. Yeah. Almost 24. It's incredible. Um, but it just shows that, you could have you could have just gave up and, and yeah. went and got a comfortable job at you know when you were cleaning those toilets and be like this is just isn't gonna work I'm just gonna go get a comfortable job and make 15 to 20 bucks an hour uh, and then you'd be capped you'd be making 50 60 grand a year yeah. or you could struggle for three years figure out the skill set and now look at you you have the potential to make two hundred thousand dollars in a year like a lot of people will never make Two hundred thousand dollars in a year. I was I was actually calculating the math the other day because I was looking at houses in St. George and everything was over a million dollars, and I was like, "How does anybody? How does <laughs> anybody afford all these?" Because um, then I started thinking the math. I'm like, "Okay, what does the average person need to make to afford a million dollar home?" And like, typically, depending on your other expenses, it's around like two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand if you want to buy. It. And that's yeah. you know that you should be making if you want to try to purchase a million dollar home given the mortgage payment on it. Um, and so, but then I'm like, okay, let's how many people in the world or in the country make $250,000 or more a year? And it, it was like, it was very minimal. Like you're in the top, I think it's in the, at least in the top 10% or top 5%. I can't remember if you make over $250,000 a year. And I think in, in order to be in the top 1%, you have to make about 400 or $450,000 a year. Oh. Um, but it's just crazy. Like you're, you're, you're only 25 and that's, that's all ages. So it's like, you're already in the yeah. top, potentially, you know, going to be in the top 10 or 5% of income earners uh, in the U S but it's because you took a risk on yourself. You're like, I'm going to go through the, I'm going to go through the shit and <laughs> yeah. scrub shit until I can get off on my own and build my own thing. Yeah. I'm not going to be capped to, cause I have so many friends that are always like, I want to start a business, but you know, they're comfortable with where they're at. It's yeah. like, well, in, in, you're probably gonna have to take a pay cut and struggle for a little bit if you do want to start a business. But yeah. five years from now, it could really pay off. Yeah. So what's been the hardest thing uh, about running a business, do you think? <clears throat> running a business, um, honestly, is the hours that, that I put into it. Um, I know a lot of people, I mean, the joke was like, oh yeah, you, you quit your nine to five, so I mean, you can get more free time, right? But you work in way more than, than, than those eight hours. But yeah, the, the hours is definitely, I don't know, it's it's hard, but it's also not hard at the same time because it's hard because, right, well, I, get, I get home from work, I finish inspections. Like the other day I got done at like 7.30, um, The agent's like, oh, man, you you work like crazy, man. Like you, you got long hours, right? I'm like, yeah. And then little does she know I'm going home to do those reports and answer calls, answer emails because I don't have, to have time to do that during the day. So there's a lot of like hours that you put into the business. Um, and then at this point, like, I've got the mindset. I think probably the same kind of mindset you have. Obviously, you're way ahead of me. But, they, okay, I, I'm doing this right now. That way, when I start getting things situated, I can hire people on and have more free time down 100%. the road. But the big thing right now is it's the time that it's taking. Yeah. You're going to be uh, – me and Bree talked about it a few podcasts ago. but Because we're, we're kind of time poor right now. Yeah. Um, similar to you. You know, you might feel time poor. You're like, yep. yeah, I'm making some income and I'm getting revenue, uh, but I don't have as much time as I want. There is that gap. You're going to have that gap because you've got to build up the business enough. You can't just hire too early. So it's like you got to have enough come yep. in to then bring in that hire where then you'll get some of your time back. Yep. And then you'll progressively, you'll get busy again because thing, other things will just get added to your plate and you'll have to make an additional hire. But you just got to, you're building the foundation of your company um, and, it, and it, you're going to be able to scale that out. And so it's like, it's going to be another few years of maybe you working really hard and getting the right people in place but ultimately yeah. it's like the vision, you know, it should be that you kind of run this organization and you've got maybe a few inspectors that work for you and you're kind of managing from a higher level. 
Um, and you're not crawling into crawl spaces and doing all that stuff. But the only way you're going to get there is by doing it now. Like you have to learn everything about your business before you can hire people to just come into it. So I think you're doing all the right things, but it, it, uh, it can feel sometimes feel like it's a lot, especially when you're working at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night to finish out reports and send emails. Um, and I think about that too, but I like what you said. It's like, it's hard, but it's not because part of it is if it was for somebody else, it would suck. But I always remember, I always remind myself, this is, this is for me. It's for my business. It's for my future. So me responding to this email at 11 o'clock at night, it's like, it'll, it's going to help provide me more opportunities in the future because everything that I'm putting into this business is is to help me grow. Yeah. So not help somebody else grow. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, what's probably the one misconception that you've had when you started that wasn't true maybe like and and i guess a better way to phrase that is was it was it as easy as you thought getting into it or was it kind of a wake-up call when you started running the business yeah it's it's actually good um not yeah definitely not as easy as i thought it'd be um i know kind of talking in this podcast made it look like i started the company and then magically after like and when i said in 2021 it it just exploded It, it seemed like it magically went up but it didn't like I, I was grinding so hard. Like, I mean, there's countless hours I was working on the website because I didn't have money to pay somebody to to build the website. So I had to read books, had to listen to podcasts to learn how to build the website. Um, so I had to do that. Um, social media. I tr- so I was trying a lot of things to grow the business. And I found out quickly that you can't just like post a picture uh, on social media and expect the phone calls to come in. And that happened to me so much. Like I would, I mean, if you look at my Instagram, I haven't deleted the old ones just so people can see how, bad it was before (laughs) yeah but if you look at the old posts like they were pretty crappy and i would post those and then later on during that day i'm just sitting there like oh yeah i'm gonna get a phone call today because someone looked at the post that i that i made and nothing ever came from that yeah um so the hard thing that for me it was i I was going to brokerages um just talking to people trying to get them on board right talking to real estate agents talking to the secretaries at these different brokerages trying to get them on board to, to work with us yeah um, and again, I guess, I don't know how they viewed it, but a young guy in his twenties coming to say, Hey, come, um, refer your clients to me. I'm a home inspector. I mean, I, I can imagine it was probably hard for some of those. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm super grateful for the agents that have used us and that are still using us because I mean, that's the main reason why we're, uh, where we're at today. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of brokerages and like, and people that I talk to, for example, there's one that I'm not going to name names or anything that yeah. way. Um, but we can, there was one I, I went to, I, I mean, I was for one day that uh, there was like 10 brokerages I visited in that morning. Like it was hard because I was visiting these brokerages of, I mean, people that have been in real estate for years and years. And here I am, this new guy that has no clue what he's doing. I know about houses, but I don't know how to convince people to use me for, for business. So yeah, like before these meetings, I remember I was sitting in the truck. I haven't even told anybody this, but I would sit there, like, look at the list. And I was like almost shaking. I'm like, dude, how am I going to do this, man? Like. I, I, I was hesitant to like open the door to the truck and like, I would have to like force myself to get out of the truck and talk to these brokerages and talk to these people. Yeah. But I remember there's one I went to, I went inside and talked to them and it was a good conversation, right? I gave them a, a paper. It was like a word document um, talking about like the good reasons why they should use us. Yeah. Looking back, it was pretty crappy, but, <laughs> um, but, but nothing, ca- n- nothing came from that. Right. It, yeah. I went and it, thinking to myself like, man, I was there for like, I mean, hours that day talking to brokerages and nothing came from all those visits. And that was actually like right before I went to Brazil. Uh-huh. Um, well, not, not the first time, but one of the times I went to Brazil and I came back and then out of the blue, an agent calls me. He's like, hey, you came to visit our brokerage, our inspector. Something happened there. They're not going to use that inspector. So he's like, we want to give you a shot. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So he gave, gave me a shot. And I mean, I'm sure the inspection wasn't perfect. The report wasn't perfect, but I guess he saw like, the, I don't know, the, the desire I had to like give this person the best inspection they could ever have in their life. And that was, that was what I had at the beginning, um, and throughout, but, and, and that's still what I have to this day. Like, how can I ensure that each inspection is like the best that the person can ever receive? Cause they're buying a house that they'll probably be in for, I mean, I mean, at least a few years, if not like the rest of their life. So I want to make yeah. sure that they're not going to run into issues that'll come up. So I did my best on, on those first, that first inspection. And then little did I know, like a couple of weeks after he calls me again, Hey, I've got another one for you. And slowly he started doing, 
doing more and more with him. And then he started talking to agents in his brokerage about how, what I was doing. Um, because I was, I was working with his clients and each time I was like, how can I improve the report? How can I make this better yeah. so that he can use me again? Because this guy is using me. So I want to make sure that he can continue to use me. Yeah. So as I was improving stuff with the business, he started referring people out to me. And then that brokerage started reaching out to other brokerages and like telling them about me. And that's kind of how things just kind of started taking off. So but cool. it all started with like the, those first inspections with that, with that realtor and just trying to see how I can improve that the best way possible. Yeah. You, you cared about the client experience and the yeah. agent experience. Um, and that's how you get word of mouth and referral business is you, you have to care. You have to be so focused on how to provide the best service because opportunity, everybody gets opportunity. It's not, yeah. it's not whether or not you're going to get opportunity. Like you're going to get opportunities at some point in your life. It's yeah. the action that you take with those opportunities. Yeah. So you could have, that realtor could have called and you could have showed up late you could have done a terrible inspection. You could have not really cared about doing it and just try to get a, a check yeah. for doing it. Um, or you could go in there with the folks like, I'm going to give these people the best inspection ever. I'm going to try to do the best on the report, make sure they know everything and provide a great experience. Because if I do that, hopefully I can get more business in the future. Yeah. Um, and, and looking back to like your, you going to brokerages and talking about that, you know, yeah. a lot of people don't realize when you're, when you're starting a business, you're everything. You're the marketing department, you're the, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're the sales department, you're the, you've got to do the sales funnel and generate business coming in, but then you also got to service all that business and then you've got to get the reports. Oh, and by yeah. the way, you've also got to, you know, track your books and yeah. make sure your finances are good. Um, you are going to play all those roles. Eventually you're going to hire people in that can come and help that help you in those aspects, but it's usually just you at the beginning. Um, and a lot of people don't think about that. You're like, oh, I can inspect homes, but you probably didn't think about like, Oh, and like, but who's going to use me to inspect homes? Yeah. Ah, I've got to go network and <laughs> try to convince people to use my company and like do branding and marketing and post on social media. Yeah. Um, you probably didn't think a lot about a lot of those things up front because every I get, and I, I get agents all the time. They're like, I can, oh, I can sell a house. I'm like, cool. Who's going to use you to sell a house? Yeah. Ah, they don't, they're not just going to call me when they see that I'm licensed. No, yeah. a lot the, the amount of people that just think they can come into the business and their phone is magically going to, they're going to post on Facebook that they're a realtor and that their phone is just automatically going to blow up. Yeah. It doesn't happen. You got to put in the groundwork. And I, and I know some realtor, I mean, and, and with me, I know some realtors that have told me, Oh man, I've got this family member that, that knows that I'm a realtor and they ended up using somebody else. That's happened a few times yeah. with people I talked to. And it's, that's what happened to me at the beginning. Like I knew realtors and then they're like, Oh yeah, I had this person inspect my house. I'm like, why don't you use me? And I was like, oh, wait, maybe they're providing a better service for their clients. So I'm like, I got to do a better job. That way they can start using me. So I know it's, I think it's a good thing having that happen because then yeah. it just gives you more motivation to improve things. Yeah. You got to better your business if yeah. you want to get that. No, that's so true. Um, and I, I appreciate you sharing that too because a lot of people like that wasn't your strong suit and you were nervous to go in there, but you did it. Yeah. And when you said that, uh, you know, you some people look at that as I spent – I spent a whole day, it's five, six hours talking to different brokerages and nothing came of it. A lot of people just be like, this sucks. I'm not doing this. Um, cause you're going to, you're going to work for free sometimes. Oh yeah. Like I, my agents work for free all the time. Like they could look at it and be like, Oh, I went on this listing appointment and nothing happened of it. Like, ah, just wasted an hour. Or I, I sat in an open house on a Saturday and I just wasted three hours cause nobody came. It's like, nothing's a waste. No, you're bettering your skills. You're bettering your knowledge. Like, what else are you doing? You could have been like, ah, oh, that's a waste. I'm just not going to go talk to brokers anymore. Okay, well then what else are you going to do? How else are you going to generate business? So I think about it as like, you've got to be willing to know that everything that you're doing is to, uh, it'll open doors eventually. It's going to provide opportunities eventually. Nothing is a waste of time because you're learning or you're you're gaining more skills or knowledge by doing those tax, tasks. And eventually they're going to pay off. I've I've always seen that, even when I think something wasn't, I was like, ah, oh, might've been a waste of time or it wasn't worth it. I'm always like, well, I don't know. Cause something could eventually come of that one day in some weird roundabout way, something might happen. And I think that the universe works in your favor. And then the more, the more good you put out into the universe, the more good you'll get back. Yeah. And so I never look at anything as, as a waste of time. And it drives me nuts <laughs> when a business owner or an agent or anybody says, ah, I'm not going to waste my time with that. It's like, how yeah. do you know it's a waste of time? 
you don't know what could come of that. Yeah. Some of my best clients have been like, I sold a $10,000 trailer, but then help them buy a house, then help them sell that same house and help them buy another house. And then they referred me five or t- six clients. Yeah. So I'm like, I could have said no to selling that $10,000 trailer because ah, it would have been a waste of time. And my commission was like 200 and something dollars. And I actually didn't even take a commission on that. Mm-hmm. Um, or I could just say, yeah, I'm going to do that because they need my help. I'm going to, and I'm going to provide the service. Yeah. And I didn't know it would come of it, but some really great things came of it. So yeah. it's like, you never know doing that one inspection for a realtor that calls you late last minute that says, Hey, my inspector canceled and oh. can you do it? And it's like, you're like, oh, I got to throw one of these in. It's stressful. And it's, uh, I don't really work with this, this realtor a lot. This is their first deal. So is it worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you squeeze that in and you show them the service. Who knows what that could lead to? Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're running a business, you just have to have that mentality. And I see it in you because I've called you several times as last minute things and <laughs> you're always trying to provide the best service. And sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, oh, you can tell me no, Kevin, but I'd really like it if you didn't tell me no. Like it's so hard. That's so hard for me, man. <laughs> so I, I, I think, you know, and it's going to get easier as you get more people on because you, I think yeah. you've built a really good brand and, and name for yourself within the industry. Um, so I think that's going to get easier and easier. You're still growing. I mean, you're only a company that's only five years in, like this will be your fifth year you're still a young company, you know? It's like, imagine what this is going to be in 10 years. Like, look forward. Do you ever look back and think like, is this where you thought you'd be in five years? I have. I mean, I thought about that. Um, I think somebody, you asked that in one of your podcasts. I was listening to all those, um, but I thought about it. And no, I I had no idea I would be where I'm at today. Like I had imagined I'd be at some building like working on a computer. Cause I mean, that's, that was my mindset before as a business. Like I, w- I wanted to work in business, like not necessarily a business owner, but I wanted to do either that, like either be a business owner or like work in business. So I'd imagine that I would be like in an office desk working, making like 60 grand a year, something like that. Um, but looking back, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't do that because I would, I would go, I would go crazy in an office sitting there yeah. all day with no room to, to grill. Yeah. That's what I look back and I'm like, now that I'm in it, I never, there was never really a time where I was like, Oh, I'm just going to, I want to build a real estate team and I'm going to do real yeah. estate and do this. There's never a time when I did that. It was just like, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get my real estate license. And then things kind of just yeah. progressively happened. Um, as I saw opportunity and I pushed, um, yeah. and I'm just, now that I look back and I'm like, I don't know what else I'd want to be doing. Like, yeah. this is what I really enjoy doing. So it's kind of crazy when you look back, where do you want to, where do you want What's your goal? Where do you want to be in five years? In five years? Um, I want to get, a lot more inspectors on board. That's the goal. Um, but the biggest thing is I want to make sure that who we hire, um, has the same vision, right? I'm like, you guys have a culture here. I want to have the same thing with an inspection company. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Being an inspector, it's not just going out and pointing out issues that are, that are wrong with the house. Um, if you're just, if, if that's what all you're doing, then I mean, I don't know how you'd be happy yeah. being an inspector because you're just telling people bad news, but you got to be really good at talking to people, really good at communicating. So, that's my goal is hiring people that have that same vision. That way when real estate agents, I mean, use us, they it's consistent all around. And the buyers feel it. I mean, everybody can feel that when when an inspector not only points out the issues, but kind of sits there and helps you understand yeah. um, what's going on. Taking the time, right? You're not not just moving on to the next inspection to make more money, but taking the time to help this person understand. Yeah. You can doing. tell when they we need when a business owner or a home inspector like truly cares about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it comes off. It's genuine. Like I can yeah. tell you really care when you meet with the clients, you care about helping them understand what's going on and you care about the process. You're not just like, I'm here to do an inspection. I'm out and I'm going to go do another inspection. Cause there are people that are like that. They're very transactionally focused. Yeah. And I think you're on the same kind of wavelength as us with real estate. It's like, we're trying to, we're trying to keep real estate human, bring that human aspect back into real estate yeah. where we care about the people. We care about helping them make the best financial decisions for purchasing real estate. We care about, the livelihood of them. We care about, you know, helping them purchase something that's going to, that they're going to grow their family in and create memories in and live the rest of their life in. And I feel like you have that same thought process or vision, but within, within home inspections, like we want to keep that human aspect of home inspections there and like actually help people and educate people. Um, and I think if you keep that vision, you keep that mentality as you grow, you'll, you'll be presented with like unlimited opportunities. So it's, it's the ones that start with that vision but then like adapt it as uh, they start growing and like change and just get really money driven. Uh, that's where 
you see those companies that don't tend to do as well after they grow. So keep that, keep that mentality. I love it. Um, what's one thing that you want to want to share with, with the guests, the listeners, what's one takeaway that you, you think you could share over the last five years of running your business and struggling through things? I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I think the biggest thing I'm pretty sure most people that start a business have the same kind of thing. Just because something's hard at first or it starts to suck doesn't mean that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. It does not mean, okay, this is hard. This is sucking. You're just doing the wrong thing. Go switch. Um, And I get that with houses. People are like, oh, this house has so many issues with it. I'm going to go find another house. And they find another house. It's got the same amount of issues and they keep moving on. And it's just the green isn't, the grass isn't greener on the other side Mm -hmm. most of the time. Um, So the biggest thing is if it's hard at first, yeah, then it's normal. That's how it was for me. That's how it is for you. I mean, I, like I told you, I got to the point where I was like, dude, I I don't want to be a home inspector. This sucks. Like I, I was unhappy at first doing some of the inspections because it just wasn't working out for me. And I was about to switch to a different career. I was like, dude, I'm just going to go back to college. Well, go to college and, and, and actually get my business degree. And I was working over there cleaning um, toilets, right? And cleaning the place. And I, so I had a lot of friends that were working there as business guys. And they kind of were like trying to get me to, to go work for the Department of Energy and INL. So I was like, okay, I could go back and, and do that. That'll be the easy way, yep. right? And I might be happy doing that. But then there was part of me that's like, no, but you, you like doing home inspections. Like you like helping people. Cause I, I loved it. And I still love it. Like I still love going through houses and like having everybody just get there. Like the, the buyers get there and look at me and they're like, all right, tell me what's going on. And I love just like going around and then just telling them everything that it, that that's there. Like, yeah. like what's wrong? What's how everything works. I mean, I just love the whole aspect of being an, an inspector, but like the, the, there's a lot of small stuff that, that was sucking, right? The reports, the business side, marketing, what the website. So I was like, man, I love it, but I mean, it's, it's hard. But that part of me was like, Hey, just keep going. It's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it helped looking at other people, right? Looking at you, looking at, I mean, other podcasts and listening to other podcasts and seeing other people that have talked about that going through that hard time at first. And I'm like, okay, that's probably what I'm going through, but it's hard to, to, I don't know, take yourself out of that situation and see where you're at, right? Because when yeah. you're in that situation, when it's hard, it's hard to look at other people and be like, hey, they went through it. I can do it too. Because you're in that situation. You're like, no, I'm different. Yeah. It's not the same for me, but it, it is the same. Yeah. Right? It's always, my situation's harder. Maybe <laughs> they didn't have as hard. Yeah. It's like, no, it's the same thing. And that is so, so valuable. The, the, word, the fact that you said like, it, it's hard and it's okay. Like, yeah just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not the right thing. And I think that's such a huge misconception with social media right now is everybody's like, if you pick the right thing, you won't work a day in your life. It's like, I don't agree with that. (laughs) Cause like, I love what I do and you love what you do, but doesn't mean that there's not going to be hard days. doesn't mean that some days I'm like, man, real estate sucks. Yeah. But I have to go back to like, it's okay. Cause it doesn't always suck. There's just times in it that, that do suck. There's always going to be things within your business that you don't enjoy. Um, that's life. And, and what's the alternative? You, you give up the things that you do enjoy to go work for a company or do something else that you don't enjoy as well. I think everybody thinks that the grass is greener. Um, but like you said, even switching from houses, that was a great analogy. Oh, this, this house has problems. I'm going to go to different. Oh, well this one has problems. Like there's always something there's always, there's always going to be a difficult situation and any route you take, yeah. um, there is no easy route. It's just pick your heart. What struggles do you want to go through? So that is that is a great piece of advice to leave with the listeners. So um, I want to I, I want to thank you for coming on, Kevin. Yeah, thanks. Um, we'll have to we'll have to get you we'll have to get you back on and do a little recap of where you're at. You know, a year or so from now, because yeah. um, I'm excited. I think you're going to continue to grow and you're going to continue to see those hit new levels that you probably didn't even know were possible. So where can people find you, uh, on like Instagram or, or what's your social media handles? Yeah. So I switched it. Now it's Kevin, um, underscore home inspector. Okay. Um, on Instagram, um, Facebook and TikTok. kind of slowed down um, with the posting, but I'm going to pick up here pretty soon. I had a couple of builders that weren't happy with some of my posts. So I kind of slowed down, but I'll, I'll get, don't let, that, don't let that stop you. No, no. We'll get um, that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've had a couple viral TikToks, So yeah. 
you know, go check out his TikTok page and his Instagram page. He shares videos of things that he finds in homes that you'd never think you'd find in homes, but you do. And that's why you need to get a home inspection if you're ever buying a home. So Kevin, owner of Vantage Point Home Inspections, if you guys are looking for a home inspector or need your home inspected, even if you're not purchasing, right? Yeah. Like you inspect homes that people aren't, that aren't just purchasing. They just want somebody to come and make sure their home is functioning and running properly. Um, you can get a home inspection then too. So definitely check them out. Cool. Appreciate you, Kevin. Until next time, guys. We'll catch you later. Don't listen to people who lose or you'll do the same. Stop talking to people who don't give a f what you're saying. Stop spending your money on weed. Go hop on a plane. Stop pointing the finger and start taking some of the blame. Let me put you on game. Control your emotions. Most of the time, it's really not worth it. Don't be ashamed and beat yourself up for not being perfect.